Today's scripture comes from two passages. The first is from the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 11 through 15. And the second passage is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 7. If you have your Bibles, please open it up. You can follow along on your phones or the screen to the right. This is the word of God. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. From 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Kevin, would you mind actually closing the doors back there? It's a little bit distracting to me as I'm up here. So, you know, I don't know if you can tell, uh, but I personally really love the first Sunday uh, of each year. At New Mercy, we, we actually call uh, this Sunday our kickoff Sunday. And we call it that because we're, we're starting the year together uh, with a new theme and, and, a, and a fresh crop of newly ordained slaves, uh, I mean, <laughs> leaders. Um, and... Uh, just in general, you know, there's a renewed sense of, of energy and hope at the start of each year, and we really like to capitalize on that to propel us uh, and to give us a boost uh, into the new year. So uh, just like every year, uh, I, am, I am amped up for the service, and I'm really excited to see what God has in store for us in 2019. Now, this particular uh, kickoff service that we're having, this is actually the first one that we're, we're doing on our own. First one we're doing on our own. In previous years, uh, as, as Peter kind of alluded to, uh, what we would do is we, we would get together with the other site from Hackensack. We had, we had multiple sites. And uh, we would have this big joint service, and we just kind of launched the year that way. Uh, but now that the sites are becoming fully independent churches, uh, naturally, each church is going to be doing their, their own uh, kickoff service. Now, if you haven't been around and you're like, what are you talking about? Um, one of the big decisions that we made in 2018, again, Peter alluded to this, uh, was that each site would uh, become fully independent churches within a network, okay? And the reason why we're, we're doing that is because after a lot of thought and a lot of research and a lot of prayer, we realized that uh, for each site to be more effective in their respective contexts, they need to be f- uh, free to be their own churches, Okay, rather than just these services at different locations controlled by some central body. Okay? We did a whole elaborate campaign on this. We, we showed a lot of the reasoning behind it, uh, but that's the gist of it. And so what happened in, fall, in the fall of 2018, our members from all our services across both sites and uh, the three services, they voted on it, uh, and they decided as a body that they wanted to move in this direction. Okay? So that's actually a, a huge piece of what's going to be very new in 2019. Being our own church with our own leadership, uh, the pastors not having to split their time between congregation, 
congregations. That was one of the big problems because we'd have to split uh, our time amongst, you know, many hundreds of people. Uh, and, and they, you know, we just couldn't focus uh, on any one particular congregation. But now we can just focus on our local church. Uh, you know, this year also we're going to be making our own decisions for our own people uh, and really committing to this local context. Okay, and that's, that's some really new and exciting stuff that's happening this year. And I'm very much looking forward to what God has in store. Now, this is something that I said uh, at last year's kickoff service, but uh, I think it bears repeating, especially given all the, all the things that are going to be happening this year. You know, in the Bible, God promises that he's always going to be with us, right? You see this promise all over the Bible. Every moment of our lives, despite how we feel, despite our circumstances, God is with us. And what that means is that every moment we're alive, Right? Every moment we're in this community, God is present and actively doing something. And we get the privilege of seeing that, of being a part of that. So every new year is just another opportunity to see God working in our midst. And I must say, every year, God has surprised me. Okay? And I believe this year is going to be no different. He is going to continue to surprise us. Now, that doesn't mean that every year has been easy, not at all. You know, some of the years have been very difficult for me personally and, and also for the community. But from my experience, uh, and we see this in the Bible as well, it's oftentimes as we wrestle through adversity individually and as a community that we have our most powerful and intimate encounters with God. And I have too many instances to count at New Mercy, but, but they're there. And what I found is that the more that I've leaned in, okay, instead of checking out when things got hard, the more I leaned in, that's when I learned powerful, and I would even say life-transforming things about God, about myself, and about other people. Stuff that I simply would not have learned had I not persevered with the community through the valleys, and this leads me to what I, want to, what, I, what I want to talk about today, which is our 2019 theme. So at the start of each year, what we do uh, at New Mercy at the kickoff service is we introduce a theme uh, that we're going to be focusing on for the rest of the year. I mean, you know, we do have our church. We do have our overall vision, which is to be a church for the broken call to restoration. You can see that right there. That's our overall vision. And we do have our mission, which, which is to be the salt and light to our neighbors in this region. But what we realize over the years is that it is actually helpful to have a specific theme each year because what a theme does is that it helps us as a church to focus on a certain aspect of the overall vision and mission. It gives us a specific area of our vision and mission that we can work on instead of just tackling the whole thing at once. Okay, we found this actually to be very, very helpful. Now, given the season that we're in uh, with you know, this new location and a new church, and eventually we're going to have new pastors and so on, uh, our leadership realized one of, the things, one of the things that we're probably going to need in this season is faith. We're going to need faith. Uh, so the theme for this year is faith forward. And if we can uh, throw up the slide, that's our, our theme slide for this year. Uh, I showed this to Pastor Boba, and she was like, is that Batman? Uh, no, that's not Batman. Um, this is actually an artistic interpretation of our theme for this year. If anybody can guess what that is? Anybody want to venture a guess? No? Being shy? Okay, it's Peter. He's stepping out of a boat. You see it now? 
okay? And then there's waves, and that's Jesus standing on the water, okay? It's actually a very uh, evocative image. Uh, I wrote a little piece on it. I'm going to post on Instagram later today. But you can go to our website, and you can download the high-resolution version of this, and then you can, you know, have it on your desktop or whatever. And I think, you know, during the year, we may kind of refresh it a couple times, but that's our iconic image for this year, and we pray that it would be a blessing to you. Now, let me, let me talk about what... What this? I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let me let me talk about what this means. Faith forward. Okay, what does this theme mean? So, in the Old Testament, uh, around the time of the judges, it's uh, referring to the text that we we read today. Uh, there's a group of people called the Midianites, uh, and they were enemies of Israel, and they were merciless toward the Israelites. Okay, in fact, the Midianites were oppressing the Israelites so harshly that the Israelites were on the brink of starvation. In the text that we we just read, and so what God did was he raised for the Israelites a judge, okay? not a judge like in a courtroom, a judge, a leader of the nation, right? He, he raised for them a leader, a judge to deliver them, okay? And the name of this leader that God would raise was Gideon, okay? You might have heard of him. Uh, and initially, Gideon was actually a pretty unspectacular guy. Yeah, this is what uh, one commentator says about Gideon. Next slide. He says, Gideon has been living a double life, servile in public, conspiring in private. He's been working on the sly, slinking in the shadows. Basically, Gideon was a shady character, okay? and he was not a strong, inspiring leader by any stretch of the imagination. Okay? Now, when we read today's account, it's to this rather dubious character that God sends an angel and how does this angel greet Gideon? Well, if you read in the text, the angel says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's what he says. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But here's the thing. Gideon is anything but a mighty warrior. Right? When you read the biblical account of Gideon's life, Gideon seems more cautious and scared and unsure than mighty. You know, in today's text, when God says he's going to use Gideon to save Israel from the Midianites, Gideon doesn't act like a mighty warrior. He says to God, this is what he says. He says, pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Right? Just really pathetic sounding. So the question is, why then does the angel address him like this? Why does he call him a mighty warrior, a person of valor, when he's not? Well, what eventually happens, if you read the whole account, spans a couple chapters, uh, what eventually happens, if you read the whole account, is that Gideon does eventually answer the call, okay, again, with a whole lot of fear and doubt and trepidation. He actually does this thing, you know, God says, go into battle, and Gideon's like, only if you do this, give me the sign. And he puts out a, a, a wool fleece, and he says, if dew is on the ground and not on the fleece, or actually, first he says, if dew is on the fleece and not on the ground, then I'll know it was you. So he, and then happens, and there's dew on the fleece and not on the ground. But then he says, no, actually, you know, I changed my mind. Can you do it a different way this time? Can you put dew on the ground and not on the fleece, and then I'll, I'll trust you? So, you know, just, he was just very kind of, just not very trusting. But he does answer the call. Okay? And, and God is faithful to him. Okay? God empowers him and uses him to rescue Israel from the Midianites. Gideon does, in fact, become a mighty warrior. James Edwards writes this. This is very powerful. Next slide. God sees in Gideon not only what he is, but what he will become by God's transforming call. And he addresses him accordingly. 
At the moment, Gideon is only a small operator, but God will make him a mighty warrior. See, in the Bible, there's a theological concept called the already but not yet. Okay, the already but not yet. To Gideon, I mean to God, to God, Gideon becoming a mighty warrior is guaranteed. In fact, in God's eyes, it's already happened. God sees and he knows that it is going to happen. And even though at the moment, Gideon has not, uh, is not yet that warrior, God treats him according to that future reality and tells Gideon to live out that future reality now. And as Gideon lives in the truth of that already but not yet reality, the warrior he is to become begins to unfold in his life. Now, the problem with Gideon is that before any of that happens, he doesn't really believe it, right? He doesn't really believe it. Why? Because he doesn't see it. Okay, what he sees instead is his people, the Israelites, being crushed by the Midianites. He also sees that he's the youngest in his family, which belongs to a clan that is the weakest in the nation. That's all that Gideon sees. And what does that do? What he sees leads him to a place of doubt. It leads him away from faith. Now think about that for a second. Okay? What do you notice is going on here? What's going on is this. Gideon's sight is blinding him from the truth. Gideon's sight is what is ultimately leading him astray. So before, you know, when we read that last, last verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it, which reads, we walk by faith, not by sight. When we read that, uh, what went through your mind? Well, a good number of you probably thought, this is probably what you thought. See, this is why Christianity is a problem, okay? It condones blind faith. It condones blind faith. Walk by faith, not by sight, right? But see, that's exactly what Paul is not condoning. Okay, notice as one pastor says, Paul does not say we walk by faith, not by reason. He doesn't say that. No, he says we walk by faith, not by sight. And he says that because believe it or not, in life, it is often our sight that leads us astray. And what it takes is our reasoning to help us to get back on track. Here's a simple illustration. So a couple years ago when we were on missions to Thailand, we were celebrating one of our mission teammates' uh, birthdays, and so we went to this really bougie restaurant, which is on top of this really new, tall, modern building. And when you go to the top, there's a section of the restaurant where uh, all the floor was just glass, right? And you could look into the glass, and it goes all the way down, right? Now, we were like, oh, this is so interesting, right? This is so cool. And so we would go to it, and my eyes would look, and be like, so scared. You know, you, I'm, I'm, I have kind of a little bit of fear of heights, and so I want to pee. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm gonna, you know, and then we're like, oh, let's, come on, let's walk over it. And, you know, we, like, hold on to the wall, and, and we're like, you know, like, and we're like just, you know, you know, preparing ourselves to, like, jump in case, you know, we fall, right? What was going on? Our sight was leading us astray, right? Because there's no way that glass was going to break. No way. You can drive a truck over that. It was like bulletproof glass, right? And so what, what did it take to fix what our sight was leading us astray? I mean, our sight was leading us astray. What did it take to get us back to have a grip on reality? Our reasoning, okay? You know, there's some guys 
maybe when you're younger, uh, you'll walk, maybe you're on campus, and a, and a girl smiles at you, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, she likes me, right? Your sight has led you astray. <laughs> she does not like you, okay? You probably scared her, and that's why she's smiling at you, okay? So you need reasoning to get a grip on reality. This happens to all of us, right? So many times what we see with our eyes leads us away from reality, and it takes reasoning to get us back in touch with it. If you, read, if you read Paul's letters, what you notice throughout all of them is that Paul is always reasoning with people to try to get them back to faith in reality. And Peter in one of his letters, says that we should always be prepared to give the reason. That's the word he used. We should always be prepared, be prepared to give the reason for the hope that we have. This is why Paul writes that we walk by faith, not by sight. Because our faith is a reasoned faith designed to get us back in touch with what's really going on when our sight leads us astray. J. Paul Sampley is a great New Testament scholar. This is what he says. He says, Paul knew that to reckon from what is seen from appearances is a sure way to be misled about what is really important, what is truly going on. We all know how people easily people can, sorry for the typo, misunderstand when they know just externals or when they make assumptions from superficial knowledge. In Gideon's life, God was in the process of making him into a mighty warrior. That's the actual concrete reality and truth. That's what God was doing. But what Gideon saw, right, his circumstances and his stature, when he saw those things, it made him blind to the reality that God saw. Gideon's sight blinded him from what was really going on. But thankfully, Gideon does eventually come to his senses. Okay? He stumbles along, right? he doubts, he asks God for signs. And then finally, he gets to a place where he realizes, he reasons, you know what, maybe it's more reasonable to trust the omnipotent, all-knowing God rather than how I'm assessing the situation. Maybe it's better to trust God. Okay? And it's at that point that Gideon becomes, starts becoming, begins to become that mighty warrior. Gideon finally took seriously the one who was speaking and promising to him. And that's what finally gave him the eyes of faith to see reality as it is. A reality where what God promises will always come to pass. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, what does the Bible call Christians? And I'm glad that we, saw, we sang that song uh, today. Praise Him. Excellent choice. If we can sing that at the, at the closing as well. Um, what does the Bible call Christians? Those who believe in Jesus. It calls us children of God. Children of God. Over and over throughout the New Testament, it calls us children of God. It calls us sons and daughters of God. But here's the thing. So much of the time, we don't feel like sons and daughters of God, right? We feel weak. We stumble, we sin, we lack faith. Our lives look very ordinary and, dis- and dull, despite what Instagram seems to show, right? How are we sons and daughters of the Almighty God when our lives look like this? Well, what we learned from Gideon is the same for us. We may not look very spectacular now. We're very far from being perfect now. But there will come a day when Christ will make us perfect. That future is guaranteed. 
In fact, in God's eyes, it's already happened. And so what God does is he treats us according to that future reality now. In the present, he calls us his children. He's treating us according to that future reality when he addresses us that way. And he tells us to do the same. He tells us to live in the present in light of that future reality. And as we live in the tension of that already but not yet reality, the salvation of God and the perfection that we will become will unfold in our lives. C.S. Lewis writes in uh, Mere Christianity, he says this, God said in the Bible that we were, quote-unquote, gods, and he's going to make good on his words. If we let him, he will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a god or goddess, a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot, imagine, as we cannot now imagine. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for, nothing less He meant what he said. You know, I still struggle with sins uh, like pride, uh, with the sins of lust. I still struggle with fear and anxiety. You know, several years ago, uh, I got ill. I got sick, some of you guys know. And I did not feel very courageous, right? I was afraid. I was depressed. But he still calls me son. And even though I don't feel like a son much of the time, I grab hold of that title. And I live my life one step at a time. And I try every day to live out that title. And when I fall, I pick myself back up and I start walking again as a son. Why? Because I know God sees me as his son. And one day, I will become that mighty man of God that he says I will be. And the same is true for you brothers and sisters. You are each a child of God. He calls you sons and daughters. You don't take God's words lightly. He means what he says. Remember that each day that you live, no matter what the day looks like. Remember how he died for you on the cross. That's how much he loves you. And remember how he rose from the dead. That shows the resurrection. That shows he has the power to follow through on his love and and the promise that he made you that he will make you into a son and daughter. The resurrection guarantees that. When you look at Gideon's life uh, and your life, what do you notice about fear? What do you notice about fear? Fear freezes us in our tracks and makes us apprehensive about moving forward, right? Gideon did not want to walk in the direction that God was pointing. But when we grab a hold of faith, when we finally see reality that God is faithful more than we could ever have dreamed, that's when we step forward in the future with courage because we know that the unknown future in the hands of a God like this is a good and certain future. Real faith in a faithful God is a forward-propelling force. Let me ask you this. Uh, I got this illustration from uh, another pastor named his Robert, and he got it from this famous Christian named Dallas Willard. But I think it's a very powerful way to think about this stuff. Let's say that this really happened. Okay, let's say God comes to you and He transports you into the future. Okay, this really happens. Okay, let's say this really happens. He transports you into the future and He brings you to Carnegie Hall, okay, in New York City, and He's bringing you there. Uh, and as He's bringing you there, He tells you that He's bringing you there because He wants you to watch this world-famous concert pianist perform. 
Okay, and so you're like, okay, this is interesting. If God is telling me this guy's good, maybe I should go. And so you arrive, and God sits you behind this person in Carnegie Hall. And uh, when the pianist starts playing, it just takes your breath away. Right? And you start marveling at this person's skill and the beauty and the power of the music that they're producing. Then when the performance ends, the pianist stands up. Everybody gives him, him or her a standing ovation. Uh, and as the pianist stands up and turns around to bow to the audience, uh, you see that happening. And when the pianist does that, you see the face and you realize it's, it's you in the future. This brilliant pianist playing the instrument in ways that you could only dream of. That pianist is you just in the future. God has shown you what you will actually be in the future. Now, let me ask you, how will knowing that future affect how you practice piano now? It'll have an effect. You'll do it with more hope. Despite the fact that you suck now, right, that you stumble, that you can barely get your scales right, you keep at it. Because you know that eventually he'll get you there. That future is certain. See how knowing your future reality changes the now? Okay, this, this is how faith operates. Brothers and sisters, you know God actually gave us a picture of our future reality. He did. Jesus, that's the picture. One day we are actually going to be like him, but with personalities all our own. We will have a confidence, we will have confidence and power and grace and humility and joy. That is the concrete promise of God. Our job is simply to walk in that promise, to realize that that future is as sure as God himself. And if we walk in that faith, despite the stumbles and setbacks, we will move forward. And that future reality will eventually become the present reality. You know, as children of God and as a church, you know, 2019 is in the future, and it may seem like it's uncharted and unknown. But what we know through faith is that God has already gone before us, and he's already mapped the year out. And what he has in store for us is only his goodness and grace. Paul writes in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This promise is for both individuals and the church. He's writing it to the church as well. This promise is for us in our church in 2019. Let's take that promise and walk in it and watch God do his thing in us. You know, this forward-propelling faith that I've been talking about, uh, is what we're going to be exploring all throughout 2019. I hope you're excited. I don't know if I got the message across clearly enough, but I hope you're excited. I, I'm very excited for this, and I think God is going to do amazing things. If we can have the praise team come up. Uh, one of the ways we're going to start this initiative, one of the ways we're going to start this whole idea of faith forward is we're going to start with prayer. Uh, and We have this thing called the 21 Days of Prayer. If we can throw the next slide up there. Um, I think there's a banner for the 21 days of prayer. If we can, Okay, there. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So, you know, in the Bible, um, faith and growing faith is linked to prayer. 
Okay? If you actually read the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, especially in the book of Acts, what you notice is before any powerful move of God, what are the people in the book of Acts doing? They're praying. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do. Right? We want faith forward in our lives. We want faith to grow in our lives. That's what we're going to be doing at the start of 2019 as a body. And so what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks is each week we have an overarching theme. Okay, the first week is God, the second week is church, and the third week is neighbors. And each week, under that theme, we're going to have daily topics. And we're going to post these topics on Facebook each day. If you don't have Facebook, if you're one of those people who just refuses to have it, you know, no judgment from me. Okay? Um, if you don't have Facebook, we do have these topics on uh, our online bulletin, numeracy.cc slash NMP. Uh, each week we'll have all seven of them, so you can just reference that if you don't want to uh, do it on Facebook. And we ask you to, you know, just, it doesn't take, you don't have to pray for a half hour, okay? Just a couple minutes. Just look at the topic and be like, hey, let's lift up prayers to God. In conjunction with this, we're also going to have three Wednesday night prayers for these next uh, three weeks. And uh, if we can throw the next slide, we gave our name. We gave a new name to Wednesday Night Prayer. We call it Wednesday Well. Uh, and, you know, well being, you know, we're, we're taking up water from God and refreshing ourselves and things like that. There's a rich imagery. I can't explain all of it right now. But that's the name of our uh, Wednesday Night Prayer. And the next three weeks, we're going to be having it at DK and Tina's place. Uh, their address will be on uh, Facebook and uh, on our website. And then if you, if you can't find it there somehow, we, we didn't get it up or something like that, you can just contact any of the leaders. I'll give you the information for that. Uh, and after the three weeks this month, then at the first month of, uh, first week of every month is going to be our Wednesday well going forward for the rest of the year. Uh, and then finally, at the end of the 21 days of prayer, the last Saturday, which is January 26th at 9 a.m., we're going to meet here at the high school uh, and we're going to do a prayer walk. We're going to walk through the Palisades Park community. We're going to pray, you know, not with our eyes closed, obviously, just with our eyes open. We're going to be praying for the people in the community and the leadership. And then after we're done with the prayer work, we're going to have uh, coffee together, maybe breakfast or lunch. So if you want to join us for that, please mark your calendars. And then lastly, sorry, we do have prayer cards. Uh, If you go out uh, of the service today, if you look on the welcome table, there are these um, shiny new prayer cards. If you fill them out and you put them in the offering basket or give it to a welcoming uh, team person, uh, the pastors and the prayer ministry, they are going to pray for you throughout the year. Okay, so if you really have some things you would like God to answer uh, in this year, please uh, do fill out those prayer cards, and we'll be sure to pray for you. Okay, that's it. You know, man, I'm really excited for these next 21 days, uh, but please, uh, please do participate in this uh, with us. It takes a body uh, for these things to really happen. Okay, at this time, we're going to go into uh, communion. Okay, one of the things that... Um, gives us faith actually to move forward into the future is actually the past faithfulness of God. Okay, that's what communion celebrates. Did you know that? The communion celebrates what? The the bread, which is the body of Christ, and the wine, which is the blood of Christ. It celebrates the death of Jesus Christ and what that did for us. And it celebrates also the resurrection. Okay, and every time we partake of it, we are re- reminding ourselves of that truth, that we are, we are under the grace of that truth. And Christians throughout history have been doing this. We are connected to them as well. Okay? And, and I pray that as we go to the table today, I pray that it would uh, nourish you uh, and feed your faith as well. So we're going to go into a time of communion. If we can have the elders and, uh, the elders and if there's a pastor uh, to get ready. Um, so on the night of his arrest, Jesus took some bread. And uh, after giving thanks, he broke it. 
And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we partake of this bread and drink of this cup, we are proclaiming the saving death of our risen Lord until he returns again. And I invite uh, all believers to participate uh, in this meal. Uh, and so if what we can do is, um, if you can start here uh, in the inner rows, and we're going to have two stations, and then you can take, break a piece of bread off. Uh, and this is you, part, you know, your, your sins are part of the reason why God's uh, body was broken. So you break that piece of bre- uh, bread off and you dip it in the wine or the grape juice, and you can partake in it, and you can go back to your seats. And while you're sitting in your seats, if you can just pray that God would really uh, help you in your life to experience forward movement in your faith, but also in the church as well. Okay, so if we can have the elders.